copy of scripture this morning is from the book of Titus. Titus, following the Thessalonians and the letters to Timothy, short book of Titus. I'd like to begin with reading at verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 15, and we're going to read through chapter 3. Titus 1, verse 15. Unto the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient, and unto every good work reprobate. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. This is now Paul's advice to young Titus, the pastor. The things that become sound doctrine. He's talking here about our life, that it may adorn the doctrine. That the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness. Not false accusers, not given to too much wine, teachers of good things that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men, likewise exhort to be sober-minded, in all things showing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, and Sincerity. This is now to Titus being an office bearer of the church. Show thyself a pattern of good works. Verse 8. Sound speech that cannot be condemned. That he that is on the contrary part may be ashamed having no evil thing to say of you. Exhort servants to be obedient to their own masters and to please them well in all things, not answering again, not purloining, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves also were sometimes 
foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and the love of God, our Savior toward man, appeared not of works of righteousness that we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. But avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. A man that is a heretic after the first and the second admonition, reject knowing that he that is in such is subverted and sinneth, being condemned of himself. When I shall send Artemis unto thee, or Tychius, be diligent to come unto me to Nicopolis, for I have determined there to winter. Bring Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos on their journey diligently, that nothing be wanting unto them. And let others also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses, that they be not unfruitful. All that are with me salute thee. Greet them that love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Amen. Based on this and other passages of God's word, we begin the third section of the Heidelberg Catechism of thankfulness. Page 19 in the back of your Psalter, Lord's Day 32. Two questions and answers. Question 86. Since then we are delivered from our misery merely of grace, through Christ, without any merit of ours, why must we still do good works? Answer, because Christ, having redeemed and delivered us by his blood, also renews us by his Holy Spirit after his image. That so, we may testify by the whole of our conduct our gratitude to God for his blessings and that he may be praised by us also that everyone may be assured in himself of his faith by the fruits thereof and that by our godly conversation others may be gained to Christ question 87 cannot they then be saved who continuing in their wicked and ungrateful lives are not converted to God? Answer, by no means. 
For the Holy Scripture declares that no unchaste person, idolater, adulterer, thief, covetous man, drunkard, slanderer, robber, or any such like, shall inherit the kingdom of God. May God bless the reading and the preaching of his word again this morning. Question a moment this morning. Can one be long without being long-winded or redundant? Can one be long without being long-winded or redundant? And the answer is yes. This third section of the catechism begins with a long question and answer. It's really more of a song than a dogmatic question. And what is the nature of this song? All boasting is excluded. Unmerited blessings from God I have enjoyed. I boast in free grace alone. Notice, no less than three times in a row, mankind is ruled out when it comes to his salvation. For we read, merely of grace, through Christ, without any merit of ours. Merely of grace, through Christ, without any merit of ours. That is the way that we enter into this section of gratitude of which the Lord's Day 32 is the door. In our hands we're holding the cup of salvation and on our lips is the song of redemption. And what a majestic song of triumph is. We are redeemed. The Lord has done great things for us. We are filled with that song of thanksgiving. As we read from Romans 5, the song that is sung up in heaven, Thou, Lord, art worthy to receive praise and honor and thanksgiving, for thou hast redeemed us to God by thy blood. But there must be more than just this fruit of our lips. There has to be more. Not only with the tongue and with the mouth do we serve God, but also with our hands and our feet. Boys and girls, can you remember that? Let me repeat it. Maybe the elders will ask you Wednesday at catechism. Not merely with the tongue and with the mouth, but also with the hands and the feet. In other words, the actions of our life have to agree with what we say with our mouth and with our lips. Doctrine and life go together, and they cannot be separated. Why must we still do good works? And we ask humbly and in gratitude, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? 
words and actions. There's two truths being expressed there. Two truths. Number one, we must do good works. And second of all, good works do not detract from God's gracious salvation. Hang on to those two truths. We must do good works, and those good works do not detract from gracious salvation. And then also two errors that have to be guarded against. And what are they? Number one, that somehow works contribute to our salvation. That's legalism. Do this, do this in order to be saved. That's an error. And second of all, the other error is that we may live carelessly, whatever we want to do. That's called antinomianism. No law. I'm going to judge for myself what I can do and what I don't do rather than obeying God. So notice with me, careful to maintain good works. How the Apostle Paul in this couple chapters that we have read is laying out the Christian life and the necessity of good works. Notice twice over in just chapter 3, verse 8. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. And then again, verse 14. And let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses, that they may not be unfruitful. So careful to maintain good works. Notice, first of all, the source of those good works. Notice, second of all, the purpose of Christ in our good works. And thirdly, the admonition to continue in good works. What is the source of these good works? They are the fruit of our salvation. And so let me emphasize again, because of charges that are thrown against the church today, you would think that this was settled in the Reformation, wasn't it? Over against Rome that says, yes, we're saved by Christ and our good works, our righteousness that we do. Still accusations are being thrown out regarding good works. Even denying that God's saints can do good works. One aged saint, about 80 years old, nearing the end of his life, looks back and he says, I have never done any good works. Or I just talked to a very depressed person this past week. I have never done anything good. I am so sinful. The Lord must say to me, I never knew you. The necessity of good works, good works are not the basis or the cause of our salvation. What is the cause of our salvation? Well, if you look at verses 4 and 5, the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward men appeared not by works of righteousness, which we have done, 
So today we still have to look at this topic. Whereas the Roman church said and continues to say, we are saved by Christ and our good works. And even in Reformed churches with a federal theology, that obedience is one of the two conditions for salvation. We have to believe and obey. Over against that false teaching. Notice verse 5, Titus 3 verse 5. We are saved, now notice the words, according to his mercy. And only according to his mercy we are saved. But good works are necessary because they are the fruit of salvation. Verse 5, Christ has saved us by the washing of regeneration and... Christ has saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing by the Holy Ghost. You see, salvation is not only forgiveness. It's not only the removal of the guilt of sin, but salvation is also renewal. In other words, we're talking about God's or Christ's work not only for us, he took away the punishment, he takes away our sins, but also Christ's work within us. John Murray has a very good book on that. Redemption accomplished and applied. We're saved by the blood and the spirit of Christ. And we are renewed by the Holy Spirit after Christ's image. We are made a new people. A new creation, just as there's going to once be a new heaven and a new earth. Oh, beloved, Christ is a complete Savior. He is gracious in his salvation of us. We are not only forgiven our sins, but we are renewed. We are made new creatures. We're able to do good. We are willing. We are desirous of doing good. So we are saved not just to go to heaven. We're saved not just from the punishment of sin. But we are saved also from the power and the influence of sin. We're set free from the bondage to sin. Titus 2 verse 10. That we may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in everything. Titus 2 verse 11 and 12. For the grace of God that bringeth forth salvation hath appeared to all men teaching us. That denying ungodliness and worldly lust we should live soberly, righteously and godly in this present world. Titus 2, verse 14, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto us himself a peculiar people, a peculiar people that are zealous of good works. Purpose of this sermon is us, for us to ask that question. Is, am I, are you, 
zealous of good works. Zealous to show God your love and your gratitude for his great salvation of you and of me. The washing of regeneration we read of in Titus chapter 3 and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, verse 6. That Holy Spirit that has been shed abroad upon us through Christ our Savior. So it cannot be otherwise. We are saved in order that we may do good works. It is the blessed fruit of salvation. We do these works because we have been renewed body and soul made to shine kind of like the sun shines at times during the day. God's glory worked in us. There's an important implication while I'm still on this first point. The must. The must of good works that does not threaten the precious doctrine of sovereign grace. We are saved by grace alone. But it is impossible that the true child of God fails to produce good works. Boys and girls, you remember that story. How on Monday morning when Jesus on the Passion Week is going to back to Jerusalem from Bethany, he saw a fig tree there that promised to have fruit. But when he went to it, it was barren. There was no fruit at all, and he cursed it. Think a moment. Think of what is required for the child of God to do good works. There has to be a radical renewal of us. Daily conversion. And we'll hear about that, the Lord willing, next Sunday. Good works that Christ produces in us. The glory goes to God. We don't boast like the Pharisees said, and I did this and I did that, expecting God to thank us for what we do. It's his work in us. Philippians 2, verse 13. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. That means for your and my good works, we should be thankful to God, not vice versa. Not thankful of God to us, but we are thankful to God that he uses us as channels of his grace. He works in us so that we are able to live for him. There's another implication from this. The question, can there be any good works by the unbeliever? And the answer is no. No, for we read in the scripture, whatever is not of faith is sin. That, you will remember, was the issue back there in 1924. Where our mother church says, yes, the unbeliever also is able to do good works because they have God's 
favor or grace, a common grace. And it abolished really the antithesis. We could join with the wicked in a lot of things because they too can do good things. God's word says no, and we're going to hear that especially next week in what are good works. So this charge comes. This renewal is worked in us by Christ through the gospel. And that's why the Apostle Paul is writing to preacher Titus. Titus 2 verse 15. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Titus 3 verse 1. Put them, that is put believers in mind to be subject to principalities and to powers and to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work. Titus 3, verse 8, this is a faithful saying, and these things I will, that thou wilt affirm constantly. You and I are given the ability, the desire, a small beginning of the obedience that we will eventually have when we're rid of the sinful flesh and we have a new body and we will serve Christ Jesus perfectly forever and ever. Notice with me, then first of all, the source of good works is God working renewal in us by the Holy Spirit. And therefore, the absolute necessity of good works. It is the fruit of Christ dwelling in us. The whole of our conduct, we read. Not just Sundays coming to church, morning and evening. Not just a part of our life, a quarter or three quarters of our life. But the whole of our conduct must be agreeable to the words of our mouth that we belong to Christ, that we love him. That brings me to my second point. Christ's purpose. Christ's purpose in our good works. We do these good works not merely because we have to. We don't do them merely out of obligation. Boys and girls, sometimes that's true in our life, isn't it? We clean our room. We do this or we do that because dad, mom said so. And if we don't do it, we won't get our allowance or we will engage their wrath. We do not do these works merely because we have to. But there is in us the, <coughs> the spirit of thankfulness. Thankfulness for what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. What does that mean, boys and girls, for you? It means when you go tomorrow back to school. You do the best of your ability in your schoolwork. Not just trying to get by by the minimal amount. You do the best of your ability. You obey your teachers. 
you show kindness to your classmates, not only in the classroom, but also on the playground. What does it mean for all of us? It means that we come to church to learn his will. That we have daily devotion so that we may grow in Christ Jesus. It means that we give to the Christian causes, not merely because we're obligated to give our tithe or our gifts, but out of thanks. It means that we observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. It means that we love our spouses. It means that we obey our parents. It means that we instruct our children. It means that we do our daily work, not merely as men-pleasers, but God-pleasers. It means that we are careful what we watch or what we listen. It means that we live a life of obedience to show our thankfulness to God for redeeming us and for renewing us. The purpose of Christ in our doing good works is that God may be glorified in us. That God's name will be honored when his children do what he says. Oh, the ungodly despise God's name. They despise God's name by their evil works. But the very heart, the very heart of the Christian life is that it is God-centered. The purpose of God in our good works is that God may be glorified by us. Second of all, the purpose of Christ in our good works is that we may be assured of our faith and our union with Christ. If we are disobedient, we have no assurance that we are the Lord's children. 1 John 2, verse 3, And hereby we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. An obedient life and assurance of faith cannot be separated from each other. Assurance of faith in our works. Matthew 7, verse 16 and 20. By their fruit shall ye know them. Matthew 12, verse 35. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. James 2, verse 17. Even so faith, if it have not works, is dead, being alone. I will show thee my faith by my works. Notice, good works give us assurance of our faith, not assurance of our salvation. Our assurance of salvation is God's work. That's what we read in the Exodus, didn't we, for New Year's Day. Over against our works, Moses says, Show me your works, O Lord. I would despair if I was trying to assure myself of my salvation by looking at my works, which are still all sinful. But I do have assurance of my faith because it's only by faith in Christ working in me that I can see these good things. 
And I enjoy then that freedom from sin. There's joy, there's peace in my life. A joy to serve the Lord. Yes, great peace have they which love God's perfect law from Psalter number 428. Fourthly, the purpose of Christ in our good works is that others may be gained to Christ Jesus. Notice the close implication that comes with that. That evil works by church members drive others away. If they look at us and they see foul speech, if they see works that are done that cheat others, then they call us a bunch of hypocrites. They say our faith is sham. They don't want anything to do with it. But good works are powerful by the Holy Spirit to gain and to draw to Christ Jesus others. Romans 14, there is the plea of the Apostle Paul, destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. Let not your good be evil spoken of. Or again in Romans 14 verse 18, for he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. And so we read, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. Parents, may your godly example be set there for your children so that they know that you're not just talking about salvation, but you know salvation, you know Christ, and Christ is living in you, and you are living your life of obedience for him. Teachers in the school, may they see your behavior. Elders, they're going to be installed next week. Elders and deacons, may they... May we be good examples to God's flock that the word will not be spoken against us, but rather others are brought to Christ Jesus. So there is a loving heart, lips and tongues that speak the glories of God, and then hands and feet that are busy in service of Christ Jesus. That brings me to my third point. The admonition of our text. Titus 3, verse 8. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly. That they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. The Apostle Paul there is telling this young preacher constantly, don't grow weary of bringing before God's people the obedience that they owe to God, the thankful life that is lived in thanks for our salvation. Affirm it constantly that we might be careful to maintain good works. Careful. Why? 
why this admonition, if in fact good works are the necessary fruit of salvation? And here's the answer. Oh, Titus, be careful that you over and over constantly bring this before God's people. And God's people have to be careful to maintain good works because of that sinful flesh that's in you and me. You see, the sinful flesh also has fruit, doesn't it? The sinful flesh in you, maybe boys and girls says, teacher's out of the room, I don't have to be quiet, or I don't have to obey. Or I'm not with young people, I'm not around dad and mom, they don't know what I'm doing on my date. Be careful. Be careful to maintain good works. Because you're a child of God, redeemed by the blood and the spirit of Christ Jesus, renewed, made new creatures. What does the Apostle Paul say of his life? He said, I beat my body to keep it under check. Be careful to maintain good works because of that sinful flesh there. You have to say, no, no, don't look at that. No, don't listen to that. No, don't go there. No, don't engage in that activity. That's the antithesis. And so by this admonition there, let me repeat it. In Titus 3 verse 18, this is a faithful saying. And these things I will that thou affirm constantly. Preach it. Titus, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. You see, that admonition is given in order to call God's people, to awaken God's people for slumbering when it comes to the Christian life, to encourage God's people to live righteously, to strive more ardently to produce good works of righteousness. The child of God does not have a problem then at all with this catechism when it talks about must. Since then we are delivered from our misery merely of grace through Christ without any merit of ours why must we do good works? And the answer, because Christ, having redeemed and delivered us by his blood, also renews us by his Holy Spirit after his image. Beloved, that's the purpose of our life here on earth and our pilgrimage that the Lord continues to chisel away the rough spots in our life so that we may be these polished stones that are set in the wall of the church. Saying no to sin, saying no to our sinful flesh, saying no to the world with all its pleasures out there, saying no to Satan who comes with his host to tempt you. No, I belong to Christ Jesus. He lives in me and I'm renewed by his spirit, and I want to serve him. I want to bring glory to God's name. I want my neighbors to see Christ living in me, that 
they too may be converted from their sin to Christ. We must do good works. The more that we give to kingdom causes, the more we receive from him. The more our muscles are exercised, the more our arm is strengthened in the same with our life. The person who only lives for themselves, they are barren. But those who live for God are bubbling fountains, fruit produced. Not fig tree, which looks good, sounds good, but nothing there, but the olive tree. The olive tree, having been grafted into Christ Jesus, producing fruit to God's glory for the assurance of our faith that others also may be gained to Christ Jesus. And the motive? The motive is never boasting, look what I have done but rather gratitude. Gratitude for the great salvation already given to us. For he who is forgiven much loves much. Does your life show that? That you love the Lord Jesus Christ. That the Lord Jesus Christ by his spirit has indwelt you. That you're not your own, but body and soul, in life and in death, you belong to your faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Gratitude done in love. Singing with our lips and working with our hands and our feet. Boys and girls, do you remember that phrase? Not only with our lips and our tongue, but also with our hands and our feet. We serve God. We're busy in the things of the kingdom. We're walking the way of his commandments because we love him who loved us and saved us. Amen. Father in heaven, how we need this admonition. How we need to hear that must, the necessity of good works. Because we have a sinful nature. We don't have that zeal at times that we should for thy kingdom. But, O oh Lord, in thankfulness for what thou hast done and art doing in us. We've been redeemed from our sins. Our bondage to sin has been broken. We are renewed by thy spirit. Oh, Lord, help us then. Whether we are young children or teenagers, going to school, being on our dates, help us, Father, in our work. Help us in our lives, in the family, in the home, to be pleasing in thy sight fruit pouring forth from a fountain our hearts in love with thee we ask this in jesus name amen